what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a slideshow with only emojis and stuff one time for the kids. Oh, they don't? What do they do now? Yeah. I could do an ironic uh, slide set. <laughs> Dang it. No, I've been there a lot, you know. Jeez. Matt said, watching a man turn old before our eyes, if you didn't hear that on Zoom. I know. What's happening to me? Sometimes I look at myself in the mirror and I go, good Lord, what's going on? I know some of y'all know what that's like, too. Wow, no one laughed. Everyone's everyone like, dang, that was a low blow this morning. <laughs> no, I'll speak for myself. Oh, we, can't, we can't laugh at ourselves with that, huh? You ever look in the mirror? Dad says he does that. He says, man, I look in the mirror, and I don't even know who's staring back at me sometimes. I haven't quite got there, but I do see some. I'm getting there sometimes, a little bit, a little bit at a time. Whew, how about that? All right. If you all want to turn to 2 Timothy, we'll, uh, we'll dive into that here in a second. So what are we going to talk about for the next several weeks? Something I'm excited about talking about. I mentioned last week, sorry, let me just unload my pockets and stuff because that's just going to get real irritating to me. Um, I mentioned last week that we've, man, I'm excited about all that God's doing. I think, I think a lot of us are. I think it's really cool to see that you know, we've got folks that have been working in inner city for years and we have Mitchell Nielsen going on. We have some stuff with Julie. Oh, Julie, he, you got here. Hey, Julie. Um, she was doing the work of the Lord this morning, you know, so I guess, I guess we'll forgive her, you know, for showing up a little late. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> um, all right. We have all these things going on, and Greg will share something new that par- it's not, it's m- actually merging Mitchell Nielsen and some, Julie made a connection with us this last week. So another opportunity for us to serve, as Mike was talking about, in our community and all that kind of stuff. Really cool stuff. He'll share that after I'm done speaking. Um, what I really felt from the Lord is for us to take some several weeks to examine, and I even heard several people mention it. I remember, Jerry, you mentioned at a shepherd's meeting, us to think about the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us as a body. Sometimes I don't know if I've done that as much as I should um, in these church settings to really sit back and go, all right, we're walking with God. We believe we're walking with Him. We believe that we're starting to really um, kind of go on this new mission that He has for us to go on. Let's take a step back and go, well, what are our gifts? What are our roles? How can we actually do this as well as possible? Because we all know And I'm not saying that there's not going to be times when God asks you to do something that's not your gift. But we all know what it's like to be stuck in a spot. Do we? I mean, that's not really your gift. And you're like, man, whenever there's someone else here that could probably do a way better job. And it would have been much better if they just, if you were operating in your gift. On the flip side, how many of you know what it feels like to really roll with your gift? Anyone been part of something where you're just like, man, this is going you know, like a basketball team, the Tennessee Vols lost last this week, you know, yesterday. Bummer, yeah. Thought we were doing do pretty good, but, you know, we Vols it like usual. But you've ever played on some type of a team where, like, you like, hey, if you're good at shooting, like, you don't have to carry all this other burden of doing all this other stuff. You just kind of post up and you just shoot or whatever, and you're like, man, I'm rolling. The thing that God was talking to me about this week, though, is in order for us to operate in our gifts like that, we all have to participate. 
So if the if the point guard that's dribbling, I try not to use sports. Like hopefully everyone understands that they're the one that's dribbling and distributing the ball and going, "Hey, here you go, Ryan, or here you go, Bethany," and then you know Bethany's shooting the threes. But if the point guard's not operating as a point guard well, then she can't do that. She might have to dribble the ball, and maybe she can't handle it very well like me. I'm horrible at my handles, as the kids would say. I can't do it very well. But we need each other. That's the point. We need each other. So whenever you say, well, I'm going to bow out, and I don't know about my gifts, and I don't know if I can use, then you're actually hurting the rest of the body. Someone else is going to have to pick up your slack that you actually might be really good at, which also goes back to the false humility that we, Greg and we were talking about, to go, well, I'm not so, I don't know if I'm so good at that. Man, if you're good at it, know that you're good at it. Know that God has gifted you in it and roll with it. All right. Woo, I'm excited. Glory. I'm going to do one of those charismatic laps around the building before too long. Then hurt my shoulder again. Then someone would have to come in for me. I know, that's stupid. I should have taken that thing out years ago after I hit it the first time. Probably don't support any of the weight or anything, does it? Anyway, (laughs) so we're going to be talking about that, but we're going to be talking about the gifts, if you want to go to the next slide, alongside the fruit of the Spirit. Because I think oftentimes we talk about them kind of separate. Uh, I didn't love some of this, so I blurred out the tail. I didn't like the way the person had it on there. If you wonder what's going on down there, that was just, that was me. It looks kind of funny. And I don't, and this is, these are not the only gifts that we're going to talk about. So this wasn't the best picture, but it was, I didn't want to create one myself. So I got the best I could and just blurred out what I didn't like and all that kind of stuff. Because these are not the only gifts of, of the spirit. But I saw this image one time and it really did hit home to go, okay, the gifts of the spirit alongside of the fruit of the spirit, which is the character of God in us, right? The character that we're to have. Because I've seen the gifts of the Spirit operated without the fruit of the Spirit, and it's an ugly thing. And it usually brings destruction. It really hurts the body. I'm so-and-so, and I'm apostle this, and I am prophet that, and I'm this and that. And, and it becomes lording over people rather than, as we're going to see today, what it means to serve and build up the body. Um, I've also seen t- talk about the fruit of the Spirit with ignoring that the Holy Spirit actually has given us gifts to, to operate in and the church to operate in. So I want to kind of talk a, about these things alongside each other. So with that said, um, you can go to the next slide and go to uh, 2 Timothy 1. I'm going to start in verse 1 real quick because there's a couple interesting things I want to point out. But I'm primarily want to look at uh, verse 6. I titled the message, The Gift of God Within You, or I could say Within Us, but we have to ask ourselves. Uh, there is some internal self-reflection in this as well, about what part are we in this awesome body of Christ. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by whose will? God's will. For the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Talk about false humility. Paul is not afraid to say, like, hey, I have this apostolic gift and it comes from God. It's okay. Does Paul go around flaunting it all the time? No. Does he use it when he needs to? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he does. But I say that to say I think that that's interesting that it's not, a, again, about lording over people or whatever, but it's, o- it's okay to say this, God has gifted me in this area, and I know it. And you could even tell people about it. Humbly. <laughs> Matt's chuckling. I'll tell you what. Matt's got the gift of giving, brother, and you're going to give me a lot of it, I think. That was a bad joke. That was All right, let's just move on. 
for the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly loved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Jesus Christ our Lord. I love here that Paul, Paul is writing to, to this young man, Timothy, and I love that he calls him his dearly loved son. So he could use that apostolic gift as, hey, look at who I am, and yet he's using this gift and he has people like Timothy who he like is in deep relationship with. So part of the idea of the gifts, part of God's dream, I believe, of our gifts is that we are in intimate community and deep relationship with one another to where we are saying brothers and sisters, we are saying sons. I mean, Paul says to the Corinthians, though, you might have 10,000 guardians or 10,000 teachers in Christ, you don't have many fathers. You have a lot of people that will get on YouTube and teach or get on a podcast and teach, but very few people that will actually get into your lives and actually care about you deeply, Right. That's big time, and I love, how, I love how Paul does that, and Paul's saying, my dearly loved son. In fact, when we were singing, um, what was it, uh, whenever, oh, what song was it? See, when I, you know whenever you're thinking of a song, but the melody of another song is in your head, and it's screwing up the song that you actually, God is love, God is love. That's what we were singing. It talks about, he who does not love does not know God. That's a strong word, isn't it? Well, you know that John in that same passage says, if you don't love your brother or sister, then you're a liar if you say you love God. You know why? God is giving me, helping me to understand this revelation. Like, we are his body. Like, we're his body. This is Christ's body on earth right now through his spirit. It's us. Do you want to serve Jesus? Go serve his body. How can I say I don't, I hate Jerry, but I love Jesus? That's that doesn't make sense. Some of us are harder to love than others, but it doesn't exempt us from that. If we could get, I just, Lord, give us a deep revelation of us as your body. A deep revelation, Lord, to where we recognize, Lord, that when we give a cup of cold water to one of us or we wash each other's feet or we listen to somebody on the phone who's going through a hard time, that we are loving you and that we are serving you. Man, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God's been wrecking me with that a lot lately. We want to wake up in the morning and go, how can I serve Jesus? Jesus' Jesus's body is right here. <laughs> There's opportunities day in and day out. We have so much opportunity to serve his body and to love his body. <sighs> if we can, man, that's just a big time. Okay. Verse 3 says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night. Isn't that awesome? Paul's got this beloved son who he consistently prays for. Who he consistently prays for. And I love that about Paul because I don't know if Paul is probably going, oh, I guess I need to pray for Timothy this morning. But there's such a love for Timothy. There's such a love for God and his kingdom that like, I guarantee you that like the idea that he's praying for Timothy is just as a father's love, as we would pray for our kids because he cares. He cares. And Timothy is not his physical son. It's someone, it's a spiritual son. It's someone who he dearly loves. He loves him that much. He's constantly praying for him. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. Not only is he praying for him, he's longing. He can't wait to have that joy of seeing Timothy together. And I really like this next verse. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm convinced is in you also. There's a generational faith that's being passed down. Like we've talked about that recently. Like our kids are watching us. Our grandkids are watching us. Our grandkids seeing 
the love, this sincere faith, this all-out faith in Jesus, and are they sparked by that, you know? Are, 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 are our kids seeing that for those of us who aren't grandparents yet? But like, you see this generational thing being passed down in, in Timothy. Paul sees that in Timothy. He's like, I saw it in your grandmother. I saw it in your mother. There's a sincere faith that you have. And then he says, therefore, that's why one of the reasons I read all that, so we wouldn't just start on that. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle, some translations say to fan into flame, the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So don't be ashamed of me, of the testimony about our Lord, or of me as prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. And I could just keep going and going and going, but then we'll never get to the, to the point. Timothy had a gift that was given to him. And we'll read, actually we're going to go back a little bit, that one of the persons that laid hands on him was Paul, his father. And when Paul laid hands on him, and the elders, we'll get there, when they laid hands on him, a gift from the Spirit or multiple gifts, maybe from the Spirit, maybe, came upon him. But there's a particular one that he's talking here, talking about here. And yet... Though he has a gift, do you, and I just really felt like God wanted me to share this start here because I think there'd be people that will relate to this. You relate to the fact that you have a gift, but, someone, but we haven't really been fanning that thing into flame. Like maybe it's a spark. Maybe it's something that we did in the past. I mean, I'm guilty of this all day long, like, and I'm operating in the gift, and then I've just kind of ignored it and ran around with life and did my life thing and then look back and go, man, God gifted me in that. How am I... How am I using that to, to, to build up the body? How am I using that? And guess what? Timothy had the same issue. There's no reason for Paul to tell him to rekindle the flame if the flame is burning full blaze, full glory. I don't know. I don't even know what I was going to say. Timothy also is a little afraid. Why? Because he encourages him. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So Timothy has been gifted a gift from the Spirit, like we all have been given gifts. I, I promise you this. If you have the Spirit inside of you, God's given you giftings. And yet what's happened is he hasn't really stewarded that as well as he should, and there's some fear there in him, which I can personally, I don't know about y'all, probably all of us can relate to that. There's some fear, like, man, I don't know. Am I really gifted in that area? I'm not sure how to use that gift. Oh, man, I did it. I started using it one time and I kind of screwed it up. Anyone done that? And maybe I hurt somebody, so now I'm afraid to start using that gift again. But he says, God hasn't. I love that. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. If you have a spirit of fear, it's not from God. It's from the enemy. But what has God given us? He's given us but one of power and love and of sound judgment. Love is one of the fruits of the Spirit, and we'll talk about that. God has given you a spirit of power, love, and of sound judgment. There must also be the reality that I read a little bit further that maybe he was afraid of the suffering that he might go through. Because right here, right after that, he says, don't be ashamed about the testimony of God or of me as prisoner, but share in suffering. He knows that Paul's in prison. Maybe there's a little bit of, oh my gosh, if I get really serious about this gift, what if I find myself in prison like Paul did? right? Like it might be hard. So some of that fear may be that this is, and I think that we can relate to this into our present circumstances, right? Like when we start serving our community more, it will be hard sometimes. It will be inconvenient sometimes. And maybe there's a fear that we start to operate in that because, man, I don't know. Or man, I got sucked into something one time and it just took all my time. Listen, if we're working in this together as body, 
And if we really love each other, we ought to be willing to say, hey, I need help with this. <laughs> I can't run with this. You know, I think we've been afraid to do that sometimes, and it's caused us to not to get bitter about a gift or something that we've been operating in. If you go to the next slide, we're going to move back just a hair to uh, 1 Timothy 4. There we go. Because this isn't the first time Paul's had to encourage Timothy about his gift. This is the second letter that we have that Paul wrote Timothy. This is actually a reoccurring theme with Timothy that he has this gift and he's got to be encouraged in it. So if anyone needs multiple encouragements, so did Timothy. Seriously, don't be all down on yourself, beating yourself up. <clears throat> I really want to go before chapter 411, but then I'll get on a bunny trail. <clears throat> all right, read that sometime by yourself. Command and teach these things. That's why, I don't, that's why I want to read before it, but again, I'll go on a bunny trail. Don't let anyone despise you for your youth. So first of all, we can surmise that he was a young man. And that being a young man, I understand what that's like. I think us all probably have been, we've all been young men and women at some point in time. And if we have something to share and it's to someone who's older, like it can be intimidating, right? And maybe it should be a little bit because they have more wisdom than we do probably, but not to the point to where we don't share. We don't operate in that. Maybe we also need to learn how to listen to the younger people as well. As I'm, Maybe this is full circle. I mean, I'm an old man, and the Lord's telling me there's some young men and women you need to listen to, and I'm ignoring it. But he tells you, he encourages them, don't let anyone despise you for your youth, and he gives them something to do. But set an example for the believers. And so here's what he tells them to do in speech. So set an example in what you say and how you act in conduct and how you love <laughs> in your faith, and I love this, and in purity, in purity. So he's saying to them, don't let anyone look down on you, and he doesn't say, as he doesn't say, Jen, right, so get back at them. If, they don't, if they're looking down on you, he doesn't say that. He says, live this life in Christ <laughs> where you're loving, where you're conducting yourself like Christ, where you're living in faith in God, you're being pure, you're not going around sleeping with a bunch of people and doing different things like that. Set them an example, show them, model for them what life in Christ looks like. And then in verse 13, he says, until I come give your attention to the public reading, exhortation and, and teaching, or public reading of scripture is exhortation and a teaching. Then he's going to uh, encourage him to not neglect the gift a lot of people surmise because of this that his gift was teaching and that he was not he was a little afraid in his gift of teaching potentially don't know that for a fact but he encourages him in the public reading of scriptures into exhortation to teaching then he says don't neglect the gift that is in you it was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. So not only did Paul lay his hands on Timothy, but also the elders laid their hands on Timothy as well. And as they laid their hands on Timothy, the Spirit gave him a gift, possibly teaching. But Timothy's neglecting it, like, a little bit. There's no doubt about it. Like, if Paul has to tell him, you don't tell someone to not neglect something if they're not neglecting it, do you? <laughs> I don't think so. So there's an issue here where he's probably timid a little bit about his age, 
Not sure. Should he be teaching? Am I allowed to teach these people? I don't know. They're older than me. And because of that, it's caused that gift to kind of go to the wayside a little bit. And Paul's saying, don't neglect it. In verse 15, it says, practice these things, be committed to them, so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life, your teaching. Persevere in these things, for in so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. But then he does encourage him in chapter 5, don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him as father. So in this issue, like he's like, yeah, but don't be a jerk to the older men because they're your, easily your father, right? But what, what I really like about this is, so there's this picture of Paul or, and the elders or at the same time, whatever, laying hands on this Timothy being gifted, but Timothy is kind of timid, not really super operating in the gift like he should be. And what is Paul's encouragement for someone like that? So if we have believed that we've received gifts, and by the way, during this, if someone wants the shepherds to lay hands and pray that they would receive gifts, like, I'm, we're good with that. <laughs> like, seriously, we should make that an opportunity. Um, but what I've seen in the past sometimes, I've seen this happen. I've seen someone be like, man, they had this powerful encounter with God, and, and woohoo, it's, everything's good. Man, I've got this gift. And then two or three weeks later, it's just like our sermons. We're not even kind of forgot about it. Anyone ever experienced that? What do we do? We lay hands on it again, and we say, oh God, let the fire come, you know, or something. That's my background. Some of y'all are like, I don't know what you're talking about, because fire does not sound good to me. (laughs) Totally different backgrounds, different strokes for different folks, huh? And then they go, oh, glory, and they, you know, it might shake a little bit, and you know, and then two or three weeks later, kind of forgot, and they they need the elders to lay their hands on them again, Listen, Paul doesn't say you need more prayer, Timothy. You need me to lay hands on you again. Paul says you need to practice what you've been given. That's what he says. And that's what he says. Practice these things and be committed to them, right? Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. So if you feel a little Timothy and you're feeling like, man, I don't know what to do, start using those gifts. Begin to put that gift or those gifts back into practice, looking for opportunity. We're going to actually talk about a ton of the gifts over the next several weeks, okay? And we're talk couple about a couple of them today. Analogy, if I'm a pretty good shooter, but I've got a little rusty, how do I get better? By reading books about it or talking about it with everybody? No. If I read, it might help me a little bit understand I'm doing something wrong, but I have to actually take the dang basketball and shoot it to get better. Sorry for saying dang. I don't know. Some people might not like that. Put them into practice. If, if it, let's, let's get the rust off and let's begin to look at how to use those gifts for the body. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. I wanted to go here because I want us to see what the purpose of some of these. And then I figured since the apostolic gift and prophetic gift are pretty controversial, let's just start with those two, right? I would say those two and speaking in tongues would be about the most three most controversial gifts. So let's, but I won't talk about that one today. We'll get there. Uh, the next slide, yeah, there, you, uh, there you go. So let's let's start talking about some of these gifts and again looking at why. What's the purpose behind them? Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, there goes Paul in prison again. He finds himself in prison quite a bit, huh? Urge you 
to live. Oh, wait, hold up. Let me go back to verse 20 uh, in chapter 3 because it's really cool. Now, to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love that verse, especially in light of the rest of what he's talking about. But if I just love that it says that he's able to do far more than we actually think. That's incredible, isn't it? Because I can think pretty big. <laughs> but to go like God actually wants it more, like he wants... He wants to see us making a difference in the city even more than we want to. It makes me go, I love you so much, God. <laughs> You're so incredible. Okay, therefore I, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling that you have received. That I would love to just meditate and go there for a long time, but I'm just going to read it slowly again and us think about this. To live worthy of the calling that you have received. With all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Some of these are even fruits of the Spirit that we're actually seeing right here as he talks about gifts of the Spirit and things that we absolutely must have in order to operate in unity as the body of Christ, we have to have humility, we have to be gentle, we have to have patience, and bear with one another in love. And let me tell you something, the gifts of the Spirit are a divisive subject in the body of Christ in general. Maybe not here so much, but man, all you got to do is get a couple different denominations together and you start talking about gifts of the Spirit and all hell breaks loose. I mean, I'm just being real. <laughs> Well, I don't know, man. You don't, I don't even think you're a believer. I don't think that, man, you need to get saved again, you know? Like, and I thought to myself, if I was the enemy, that's exactly what I would do. <laughs> if God gave gifts to the church to build the body up and to encourage the body, I'd just wreak havoc on talking about it. So let's, let, let me just say this. Let's just breathe about the gifts of the Spirit. And if you disagree with me, oh, it's okay. Because you know, what the, you know what this says right here in verse 3? Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. So before, and that, that's big time. Like, I hope that, I hope that, that that's an encouragement for, for all of us whenever, wherever we get mad at the preacher, or we get mad at sister so-and-so, or we get mad at brother Bob. I want to ask you, before you split, have you made every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit? I'll ask you that. Or have you decided, well, I, don't, I just don't think, they'll, I don't think they'll change. Have you made any effort? <laughs> I mean, I wish the body of Christ would, like, if we could grab hold of that, and guess what, I'm probably going to have to eat those words one day, right? The Holy Spirit's going to say, well, John, are you leaving right now? Oh, Christ. Yeah, I did. I said that one time, didn't I? Have you made every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit? Mm. Have you just gotten frustrated at other churches around this area, and you don't want to have unity with them because you're mad? Because you believe in some of these gifts and they don't, or whatever it may be. That's powerful, though, isn't it? Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We are called to do that. And then Paul goes into this oneness of the body. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to, if I can fumble through this, one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. There's not multiple faiths. There's not multiple 
baptisms and callings and different things like that. Like he's saying, listen, you all are one. There is one spirit who leads these things. We are together in this. So, so whether we have a Stones River Church of Christ on our front or Nazarene Church or whatever, we are one if we're in Christ. We are not many. And even Stones River, as we think about how we operate in the gifts, we could even take a bigger step back and go, what is our gift in the broader body of Christ? Like, what are some of our gifts in the broader Murfreesboro body of Christ, right? In the regional body of Christ, to think through those types of things. In that we are called to make those efforts to maintain unity. In verse 7, it says, now grace was given to each one of us. So for those of us here who are in Christ, I'm going to guess everyone. God has given you a grace, and the grace doesn't just mean he forgave you and had grace on you. Grace means empowerment. You have been empowered. You've been given. Now grace was given to each one of us, to all of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captive, captives captive, he gave gifts to people. I'm going to keep going for a second here, and I'll back up. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is above the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. That's a little confusing sounding, isn't it? Well, he ascended to descend, and then if he didn't ascend, then he had to have descended, and then it sounds kind of like a comic routine to me a little bit. Paul's quoting Psalm 68, if you want to know what he's quoting, and he's quoting it maybe a little different than it actually says. <laughs> Paul does that sometimes. The picture that he's given, or the picture in Psalm 68 is the king going up to Mount Sinai. And the king, as the king goes, the king, it's this picture of this, you go and they plunder and they have gifts. What happens whenever you plunder? You get gifts. And he's applying that to Jesus and Jesus' death, his resurrection, his ascension, and saying that as Jesus ascended into heaven, ascended into the heavenly realms, part of the beauty of that ascension was that he plundered the enemy and gave gifts to men. That's, that's my, my interpretation of this, is that when he says he took the captive captives, he actually took these gifts away from the enemy that we handed to the enemy. Go study it yourself. You may disagree with that. But that when we, as Eve, handed over and, and Adam, the rebellion, that there were things that were handed over. And if that's the case, I always ask myself, are we using the gifts the way the Lord would have us to or the way the enemy would have us to? Because we've used it the way the enemy would have us to an awful lot of times. But it says, like, he, takes, he took capti cap captivity captive or took the captives captive. He takes those things, and then he goes, pow, and he distributes it. It's such a mind-blowing, beautiful picture. There's this picture of a king ascending a king distributing gifts and a kingdom bringing freedom. A king bringing freedom, sorry. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? So this idea that God has given us the gifts is hugely important. It's huge. God has given, he has, he has given gifts to us, y'all, and it's not something that we should take lightly. It's something that we should take very, very seriously. I mean, if Jesus showed up right here and handed you a gift, you'd probably take it pretty seriously, wouldn't you? <laughs> or laid his hands and said, have this gift, you'd probably take it pretty seriously. This is what he did. This is part of that resurrection. This is part of the power of his ascension. And verse 11 says, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ, 
until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then goes on to say things like we won't be tossed to and fro. I want to focus on that end part here for just one second. Because God has been asking me this for like the last several weeks. And it just, you know, when he just has something on you, your heart, and it's just wrecking you a little bit in a good way. And he's been asking me, John, who are you becoming? And like, like not what are you trying to accomplish? Who are you becoming? Because right here in this passage, it's saying that these giftings that the Spirit has distributed are so that we would become, what? The fullness of Christ's stature. We are the body of Christ on earth. The giftings that we have been given are to build up the body so that we can become the fullness of Christ to our neighbors, the fullness of Christ to Mitchell Nielsen, the fullness of Christ to everywhere that we go, to the inner city kids, that we would become the fullness of Christ. And, and I hope that I can articulate this because it's just been, I've been meditating on it so much. So let me give you an example. One of the gifts that we'll talk about eventually, hey, buddy, one of the gifts that we'll be talking about eventually is generosity, giving. If I read that, in the past I've read that, and I've said, oh, man, you know what? I think maybe that's a gift of mine. Uh, I think I need to give more. How can I give more? Which isn't bad. I think the Lord honors. I, wow, I'm glad. I'm glad, Larissa, you want to give more. That's really cool. But God is challenging me to go, but are you becoming a giver? Like, are you allowing my giving nature to be in everything that you do? Not just, let me see if I can give a little more money here or there. Like, every time I'm with anyone in all that I am, that, give, that gift is, of giving is just in me. It's who I am. And I believe that if we can, as we talk about these gifts, become that together, as, you know, and we're operating in these gifts, and we're operating to build up one another, and it's just who we are, it's big time. That's, that's, the, that's the goal, is that we become the fullness of Christ to, to, as the body, that we become a unity and that we are expressing, we are allowing Jesus, his character, all of who he is, to be released wherever we're at. And a big part of that is us being together while we do it. I said this last week. I said it last week. I can't show everyone the fullness of Christ because I'm just part of the body. So without everyone showing their gifts, then the world is not seeing the fullness of Christ's body. Another reason why we have to do this together. It's vital. It's vital that we do it together. Verse 12, I'm just going to say it one more time. These gifts have not been given so that I can wear a badge that says, I'm Apostle John, I'm Prophet Susan. I am Evangelist. You know, you ever, you ever gone to one of those places where people have those? I can take you to some places. The point that you have the gift, that you have these gifts, is so that you can equip, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So there's work for us to do. There's work for us to do, and it's not just going to church. There's work for us to do, and the saints need to be equipped. It's one of the reasons I wanted to do a series on this so that it could hopefully, hopefully this is super practical as we talk about these gifts so that we can be equipped and better equipped. And it goes much more beyond just, you know, Sunday morning and us talking about it. 
I'll put a plug in for Greg's Wednesday debrief that if you all that it's been going on at Taylor Place over there, it's a great place to process what's been going on, process how we could maybe you could better use your gifts, pray together. Um, and I'll, I'll say this now, I advocate for going every week. But if you can't go every week, it doesn't mean don't go. I haven't been able to go every week. It just is what it is. But if you can go every other week or something, it's still, it's helpful. It's very, very helpful. Because it helps us to think through how, to, like, if you want to be part of, like, hey, we're talking about Mitchell Nielsen, well, what do we need to do? Go there and start talking. Use your gifts. I'll talk about two gifts today, and then we'll be done. And go to the next slide if you want to. Not if you want to. Please go to the next slide. That was my polite, Murph, uh, polite Tennessean in me. If, I mean, if you want to. <laughs> Thanks, Jonah. You waving at me? What's wrong? You just saying hi, or is there something wrong? Do I have a bogue or something? All right. I'm going to talk about two very, I would say, in the body of Christ, and then we'll be done, like controversial gifts. Um, a lot of people will say that this gift, um, apostolic gift, First of all, there's a lot to go here, and I don't know how much I should. Holy Spirit, help me. I don't want to get into the weeds of a bunch of stuff. Let's just go. Okay. Um, some people will say these five gifts are like offices in the church, meaning I am apostle this, I am prophet this, I am this. It doesn't say that. It says these are gifts. Okay? Like we've made things bigger deal, I think, than they are, so to speak. It just says this is a like this is what's so different is like instead of saying I this is an office this is just a gift to build up the church it's that simple and then whenever we get to start thinking like that then maybe we can kind of just you know loosen our pantalones a little bit you know and stop getting stop getting our undies in a little bit of a wad about some of this stuff I mean just being real if you saw this as some of these things are just gifts do you have these gifts so you can help build up the body yeah or no. Or I see it in someone else. Oh, man, it would make us just relax just a little bit about it, okay? All, uh, some would say that there are 12 apostles, and that died out when the apostles died. I would say there's a lot more than 12 apostles in the New Testament. If you start reading it, there definitely is. Up to 20-something, actually, depending on the way things are worded. It's, it's really interesting. Did y'all know that? Go, re- go through and read it, and it's pretty interesting. Okay, so what does it mean? And I think this is one of those big ones to where everyone goes, well, there's no way I've got that, any kind of gifting there, <laughs> right? I mean, it just sounds, that's, that's pretty serious right there, John. Paul just called himself an apostle. Let me just ask you to have an open mind as I talk about this and think through. It doesn't mean, so here's the thing about the gifts of the Spirit. Number one, it doesn't mean because you don't have the gift of generosity that you don't give. That's bogus, okay? It doesn't mean that you don't have the gift of teaching. Well, I guess you can't teach your kids nothing. That's dumb, I mean, I'm just, I'm just being real. This is just, it's as simple as saying, wow, Ben is a really gifted teacher. God gave him that gift. It's, it's that simple. Like, again, let's get our undies out of a wad and let's just say, hey, this person is this. So one of the difficult things about some of the gifts of the Spirit, though, is there's not definitions. Like, it's not like, here is, a, this is Apollos, I mean, uh, Apollos, Apostle, and this is what it is, or this is evangelism, and this is what that gift is. Like, what you kind of have to do is read through the scriptures and see what these people did. Like, that's, that's the easiest way for me to grab hold of what this gift actually is. In the Greek, it means like a messenger, a delegate, and they're sent on mission. Kind of like a kingdom, like an ambassador says, listen, you're going to go. I've got you on a mission. Go speak for my kingdom. 
and I have you to go give a message to and do that, all right? So here, you all help me. What do you see the apostles doing? What do you see Paul doing? What do you see you know, Peter doing? What do you see Barnabas? What do you see some of these people doing? Anybody? Okay, traveling. Absolutely. Okay, what else? You didn't know it was going to be participatory this morning, did you? As the Spirit sent them, that's a very good point. The Holy Spirit, Spirit sent them. All right, what else? Sharing the message. They absolutely did. So they would go and they would share a message. Great encouragers. Paul's writing an encouraging letter to Timothy, I would hope, that we've read through part of it here. Praying, absolutely. That's right. What else? Healing, yeah, absolutely. That's, there, was, there definitely were signs and wonders that accompanied um, the word that they were preaching, 100%. Breaking into new territory, yeah, absolutely. Church planning, yeah. I mean, they would go in. Paul, you see it multiple times, would go in. We'll start making disciples, and then the church would begin to start forming, and eventually, sometimes a little bit later, he would appoint elders and stuff. It was pretty interesting, right? Those who have apostolic giftings, if you think about it, these are these are part of like all of that together, like thinking about the people that have this gifting. But I, I think through when I, I was thinking through the scripture that says, it's talking about Jew and Gentile coming together, but it also talks about um, the, the, the temple being built on the, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And part of that has to do with the prophetic of old and the apostles new, and there's different things like that. But it really struck me because apostle does do that. It, helps to lay the foundation. So going into these new territories, that's what they would do. Or even some of them stayed for a time, like Peter stayed, but there needed to be a foundation in Jerusalem that was set. But then they would be scattered. But the, the apostles are going into areas and they are kind of laying a foundation through having leadership skills. I mean, they do. They lead. They have vision from God. They're, they're, the Holy Spirit is leading them into going to different places. They're preaching. They're teaching. They're doing these things, Okay. And as they're doing these things, generally speaking, a lot of these times, like Paul would up and leave, and then the other people, there'd be other people there that would keep the work going, okay? It doesn't mean that that's, that it happened like that, exactly like that every single time, but that happened, okay? So I th- maybe some of you don't realize that, I, I wouldn't say that I'm incredibly apostolic, but at one point I stood back and I went, my whole sales career has been about pioneering new territories and going into new places and setting a foundation. And I felt like God was like, you got a little bit more than you realize. You know what I mean? Like, and so I say that to the businessmen and women and the teachers and the whomever here, that maybe you are someone that knows how to s- see something. You see a house and it's all, you know, tore down or it looks like garbage, but you can help, you can see what the new house would look like if you actually got in there. Some people struggle with that, right? To see things, uh, but there's others who you, it might naturally come to you. Do people naturally follow you whether you have a title and you're the pastor of a church or do people naturally do that? So I just think through some of that stuff. Because if you are like that, it would be great to see you on Wednesday nights. <laughs> Put another plug in, because those are the kind of things that we're talking about, you know? Let's go to the uh, next one. Let's go to prophets. Okay? Prophetesses, that's like the Greek, so don't think I misspelled the word prophets. I know some people would be like, he just misspelled it. So when it comes to a prophetic gift, I mean, the, really, the, the reality is, is kind of in the baseline is you are speaking God's heart or God's will to the people of God, 
That's really it. Sometimes whenever we hear the word prophet, we think it's maybe like fortune telling, all telling of the future. It's not, but that was there. Like Agabus does it for the church to help the church. Says there was a famine, there was a famine. They get to know ahead of time. Also says, Paul, you're going to be bound. But Paul's like, I don't really care. <laughs> so I don't know what the, how good of that prophetic word was. But if you look back, in, especially the Old Testament, oftentimes the prophets were even calling the church, to re, the people of God, to repentance. Like, hey, you're screwing up. God has called me to come here and, and tell you that, right? You might have a prophetic gifting if, if, you, have, uh, if you have this kind of fire in your gut where like, you feel like God is, is saying something to the church and it doesn't have to be a, it doesn't have to be a thus saith the Lord. It can just be like, man, I don't know. I just really feel like this is the direction we need to go. And if you have that, you need to tell people. You don't need to hold that inside of you. <laughs> you need to tell it to folks. In 1 Corinthians 14, whenever it's taught, it shows a little glint, picture into the gathering of some of the believers, it specifically says, let the prophets speak one at a time. You didn't know that when we in service and I go, let's just listen to God, that I was stealthily getting us into thinking about these things. But it also says, let the church discern whether that's actually word from God or not. That's okay. If we're actually operating in love, we ought to be able to say, I love you, brother or sister, but I think you missed that one. Let's, 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 uh, I don't want to crush, squelch that gift, but let's see and let's work together. That's, that's how the church should be operating in these gifts and encouraging. That's what it means to use our gifts to build one another up. This is what we're talking about, growing in these things together, loving each other through these things. But if you have some of those times, and I know people that have that man and they just remain silent, and it, oh, or they come talk to me about it. And I'm like, other people need to know. I think that is from God. <laughs> so the church can discern, so we can discern, right? So when we see people that have those apostolic giftings, see, I think the people that have that gifting and the prophetic gifting are often those who get kind of kicked out of churches regularly because <laughs> churches just don't know what to do with them because they, the, oftentimes those people come with change, like things are going to change because God's sending them to the church to shake things up a little bit. And oftentimes I've seen it in almost every church I've been in. We just go, well, I dislike things the way they are. We kind of Israel them, right? That's what, that's what Israel did to the prophets. Like, shh, we probably don't need to do that. I don't really like that word of repentance. I think we're doing okay. And so my encouragement for us is that we wouldn't do that. <laughs> when people come in with some vision, maybe some apostolic vision, people come in with just, oh, God, I feel like God's saying this, that we don't squelch, that we discern, is this from God? God did, did, they, did God send these people to us? And if we might have these gifts, you all, let's, let's start having those places like Wednesday or wherever to begin to say, like, it's okay to say, I'm not sure. If I have this, I think maybe I do. I hear this from God. Could you be praying about it as a, as a church? Let's, like, that's where, that, man, I think that that is when we begin to excel, when we all begin to do those types of things, right? Is that good? Can we do that, you know? Okay. I, I, just, I love that. There's so many more gifts that we're going to talk about. I'm going to end on the, uh, Galatians 5.22. You know I had to go there if we're going to talk about fruits of the Spirit, and I'm, I'm going to be very fast here. Oops, I didn't mark this one in my Bible. Oh, yeah, I did. And the reason I just want to talk about the very first fruit. 
Actually, I'll read verse 19 first because I like this so you get some context. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious, kind of like what Jen was talking about today. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar, I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice these will not inherit the kingdom of God. So those are things that are not part of God's kingdom. That's just, God's not going to allow them to, them to inherit the kingdom because God has none of that in his kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit. So what is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, against such things, there's no law. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, that we've probably all read many times and heard a million times at Weddings is literally talking about the gift of love. I mean, the fruit of love in the midst of talking about the, most of us know this, right? The gifts of the Spirit. And that's kind of, that, that, love is what binds all of this together. And love is what I, I think allows us to, uh, to see the things coming together, like Jen said, allows us to forgive, allows us to build one another up, allows us to grow together. And that if we begin, uh, Paul would say, if you go to Mitchell Nielsen and you read them books, but you have love, you are wasting your time. If you bring those inner city kids and bust them over, but you don't have love, well, then that's just a waste. And it's easy to hear that and be like, well, I got love, but really, do we? Do we have love? Do we have love for the community? Do we, and if we don't, like asking God to help us in that. I, I just want to end with that. Father, Lord, I ask right now that you would develop in us, if we don't have it and where we have it, that you would help it to grow more, 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 more. Lord, love for you and for our community here. That, God, that there wouldn't be anything that we do that wouldn't come from a place of love. Lord, even when it's maybe saying something hard or difficult, that it all comes from that place of love, and the reason that we do it is because of love, Father. Lord, I pray that talking about these gifts would bring no divisions among us at all. In fact, I just pray that it would be opposite, that it would bring unity among us like we've never had, even greater than we've ever had before here at Stones River. I pray, ask, Father, that you would help us to know how to honor each other's giftings, how to stir one another up, and that you would teach us how to use the gifts that you've given us to build up your church, and not just Stones River, build up the Church of Murfreesboro build up the church of this region, that, 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 Lord, that we would operate in that and operate in those things so wonderfully and so beautifully. And the only reason that we can do and that the only reason that we can love is because you first loved us. And I just thank you that you're a loving God. And I thank you that you're a God who grace. what was given and distribute those to the people in your kingdom, God. I just, I'm, I'm blown away by that. If there's anyone that's timid about their gift or needs to fan it into flame, all of us, I know there's areas where I'm like that in my life. God, I ask that you would help just to rekindle that fire, help us to try again, help us to actually begin to practice, as Paul said, these gifts so that we can grow in them. In Jesus' name, amen.